and I remember exactly where we were driving through town. And he said, I think I don't want to go to medical school. I actually want to start a rowing program. And will you help me? And I was like, what in the what? world? Us? We know nothing about rowing. You're crazy. We just started like a year ago and now we coach. But basically we just like keep kids alive. Like, I don't really know what I'm telling them. I'm just making sure they don't die. And, um, and that was the beginning. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Steady State Podcast, your rowing fix, where the water is always flat, the catches are clean, and you can always hear the coxswain. We're Tara Morgan and Rachel Friedman, and this is Steady State Podcast. Sit ready. Thanks to everyone who listened to our last episode with lightweight sculler Maurice Scott, who was introduced to rowing as a kid during a learn-to-row camp at Bachelor's Barge Club. He noticed that no one else looked like him at regattas, and his father's moral support motivated him to keep at it. Today, Maurice has championship titles, corporate sponsors, and a mission to be the face of positive change in the world of rowing. If you missed it or any of our episodes, listen anytime at steadystatenetwork.com slash podcast or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, would you leave us a review? When you do, it helps our podcast get noticed and reach more ears. Hello, and welcome to Steady State Network's Founders Roundtable. I'm Rachel Friedman, co-founder of Steady State, along with Tara Morgan. I'm based in Washington, D.C., and Tara's out in Vashon, Washington. We are masters rowers and coaches and entrepreneurs, and together bring more than 33 years of rowing experience to the work that we do. For those of you who are new to Steady State Network, we launched in September 2020 to reframe the popular yet limited narrative about rowing culture. We celebrate the expansive array of rowers, coaches, and coxswains to savor real-life experience from launch to cock seat at every level. We're passionate about coaching education, creating space for everyone in boathouses, and fostering community. With that in mind, we've seen a rapid growth in the number of participants in rowing across the board, from U19 and U17 to college and master's in recent years. There's more opportunities now to enjoy the sport we love, not just as a bastion of the elite. Clubs and programs are being founded by, quote, real-life rowers, unquote, more than ever. For Steady State Network, the opportunity to bring together rowing program and club founders from across the U.S. is a first-of-its-kind event, and we're excited to be making it happen. Joining us today are Dave Harvey of Tacoma Rowing, Katie Jones of North Carolina Rowing Center, and Sue Kolcheski, founder of Sweeps and Skulls. Thanks to all of you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having us. You are welcome. We're glad to talk with you uh, about founding rowing clubs, which I think a lot of us, or maybe it's just me, um, kind of have a pipe dream of doing. Uh, Tara's actually done it. I have this giant dream in my brain of starting one someday and having my own boathouse, but I'm many, many, many steps removed from making that actually happen. But we want to talk to you about how your pipe dreams and daydreams kind of evolved into something tactile and actually up and running. So first, uh, we're going to go around and we're just going to do a little bit of a roll call. We'll start with Dave. Okay. So Dave Harvey uh, from Tacoma, Washington. The club is Tacoma Rowing. And we started organizing in 2020. First athletes got on the water in 2021. Sue? I'm Sue Kachelski. I'm in uh, northwest suburbs of Chicago. Um, the club is Sweeps and Skulls Rowing. And we started in 
I'm going to say winter of 2017 is when we had our first six rowers in a school gym in uh, Wakanda, Illinois. So nice. Katie? I'm Katie Jones, and I'm in Greensboro, North Carolina with the North Carolina Rowing Center, and we started fall of 2018. Now I wanted to ask everybody, tell me one special thing about your club. Dave? Sure. Uh, We started um, during the pandemic, (laughs) Um, but I think, you know, we are, as we start up, intentionally focused on bringing in folks who, the way we describe it is, never been in a boat and don't know anyone who's been in a boat. And that's really our focus for the first year is bringing in those folks and making sure that they know that growing is accessible to them. Nice. Thank you. Sue? Um, I always have to go to the culture. I That's when a big part of the passion for me personally is to create a club that is about anyone can do it <clears throat> um, and about really making it feel like, like a family um accepting inclusive those are all you know positive those are all words that are really important so I think that's um I like to think that's different (laughs) it's different it's certainly different for clubs around here that are more about you know winning and going fast I mean I want to go fast too I want boats to go fast just like everybody else but not at the expense of uh, a culture of getting people in boats and getting them to have fun and love rowing for a lifetime. Mm, Awesome. Katie. I'd say, um, I really resonate with that Sue, a a family feel Scott, my husband and I, we did not row in college. We started rowing as like uh, mid 20 year olds and uh, a couple years later started our own program. And so we don't have this thing in our brain of like, Oh, rowing's not like this. I just feel like there's this fresh perspective that, we're trying some untraditional, non-traditional things. Uh, and people down here don't know, haven't been rowing super long. It's not, not steeped in tradition as much. So I feel like there's a lot of openness to really try unique things to get other people involved and wow. try different, different avenues of rowing. That's great. I kind of love that you're already inching towards one of my questions for later, which just be thinking about, which is sometimes we found a club because there's a deficit of rowing or a deficit of the culture that we would like to have in our rowing experience. And sometimes we're an added value to a community or we're an added value. And sometimes it's both, right? Um, So we'll definitely dive into those kinds of concepts. Like how do you fit into your larger uh, communities? Um, We also want to do a little roll call. So you can do a show of hands. And this is who is a coach currently? All three. Okay. Who's a sculler? Okay, all three. All right. Who's a sweeper? Oh, Sue. Woo! And Rachel. Yes. Good. A little less than sculling, but. Right, right. Uh, And who's a coxswain? Oh, just. just, (laughs) But I have to be? Yeah, basically, as founders, we get to do all of the things, right? (laughs) We're like coxing, schlepping, boat repair, you know? All the driving, yeah, all the hats, all the hats. And we're definitely going to be talking about that, how we all do everything all the time for everyone. Spider (laughs) duty. I do a lot of spider duty. Rachel, you got one here. Yes. Yes. Uh, Who is a master's rower currently? Sue and Katie. Yeah. And who, I think I know the answer to this question. Do we have any Olympians in this, in this group? 
Mm-hmm. In my dreams? We know that Katie just started a couple of years ago. I'm assuming Katie, nothing personal. You got started <laughs> as a master a few years ago and you got <laughs> right into the Olympics. That's right. Nope. Yeah. Uh, former collegiate rowers. Dave. What's your alma mater? Remind me. WPI in Worcester, oh. Massachusetts. And are any of you currently parents of rowers? Nice, Sue. Tell us about your rower. I got three of them. Oh. <laughs> yeah. No, my, my three daughters all row, um, which is not why I got into this at all, but it just happened. Um, so my 14, she's 15 now. My 15-year-old um, is, uh, is currently one of our varsity rowers. We have 35 rowers, so it's not hard Ooh. to be a varsity rower. Um, and my 12-year-old started rowing. Well, she started rowing last year, but just kind of like played around with it. And she's um, rowing a little bit more this year. And then I've got a daughter who is 14 and she has Down syndrome and she's also rowing. So the adaptive rowing is going to be a thing here very soon. Yeah. Oh, it's, well, it sounds like it's already happening. It really is already. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Let's just be real. (laughs) It's already happening. And it it happens in every single club, whether it's a visible disability or an invisible disability where maybe they can't hear as well. Maybe they had a hip replacement. Maybe they are scared of the water. Maybe they um, are very kinesthetic, like more kinesthetic than auditory. Maybe they're, which is hard to do as a coach. Right. Um, So it's always happening. Those adaptations are always happening just as a spectrum. That's how I like to think about it. So all right, so we're going to go back to the beginning, aren't we, Rachel? We are going all the way back to the beginning. So all of you reached a point in your rowing careers that you started thinking about how you could help other people learn to row. But we were all novices at some point. And so, Katie, what do you think the hardest thing about learning to row well is? Ooh, <laughs> tough question. There's a lot of hard things. Uh, if I had to... I think for me, since I learned like six years ago, it's not that far, far away. I think just that connection piece. And I think that word just means so much in our sport, uh, but connection, when you feel yourself take a stroke where your whole body is connected and you feel suspension, I feel like once you get that, it's hard to get there, but once you get there, you don't forget it. So, but that was, that's a hard piece also in teaching athletes. I think suspension is Tara's favorite word to talk. I'm getting a little sweaty. I'm like, (laughs) I love good suspension. Dave or Um, Sue, do you have an idea about what the hardest thing about learning to row is in general or for you personally? What was the hardest thing about taking good strokes? Yeah, I think uh, so for me, um, I always joke with my athletes. Like I, I learned to row before there were YouTube videos, so. I, if I had the video of how awkward it was for me the first day, I would share it with them, um, but I don't. Um, but I think keeping that in mind as you watch, you know, rowers trying to pick up the sport, um, that it is a hard thing to do. Um, but I think that transition, yeah, the transition around the catch, I think because I, when I was first coaching, spent most of my time sweep coaching um, and now I'm focused more on sculling. And so, you know, the smaller boats and watching athletes trying to learn that catch and do it efficiently and, and get to that suspension is um, that catch transition is really interesting to coach. Suze, do you have a moment? Yeah, mine is a little less specific. I had a hard time. I didn't have access to great coaching. Um, Our club, the club that I learned with sort of did like learn to row and then dumped you in and said, go. 
Um, so there wasn't like ongoing coaching. So I think for me, the biggest challenge was figuring out what a good stroke was just, Mm. you know, I kind of had to like figure that out trial and error on my own, um, had to seek out coaching and, you know, try some different things and figure out how, you know, literally get in a boat and figure out what makes, you know, if I do the stroke this way, my splits are this, if I do the stroke this way, my splits are this and, you know, and on an erg and things like that. And actually just had to figure that out myself. So you all may, and I'm assuming I I hope have had the experience of synchronicity and connection in a team boat. Yeah. Nodding your heads enthusiastically. Um, So we're always looking for that elusive moment, right? It's, it's, you get hungry for it. Like Katie said, you know, once you've had it, once you've felt connection, once you've felt good suspension or coming around the front end, um, you're always sort of on the hunt for it, right? And there's a lot of factors. We all know that as coaches that go into that. And some of them are completely beyond our control, right? Wake, <laughs> you know, weather, all of those kinds of things. Um, but can anyone tell us about a, a time that you remember where it all came together? Maybe it was a practice, maybe it was a race. Just raise your hand if you've got one. That's where it all, the hairs stand up and you've got one. Yeah. Katie. Um, well, my husband and I, Scott and I, we row a double. Um, and sometimes it's really great. And sometimes it's not um, marital bliss. And sometimes a lot of marital discord, but um, right. one time we were, I know, no, yes, actually um, we were on um, not the lake we usually row on just a smaller one, uh, just down the street from our house. And we were doing sprint pieces training for a race. And we just kind of locked in together. This is post baby number one. And I felt like, wow, that was awesome. And he's a very, uh, observant critical, um, in the bow. And he just, he thought it was great as well. So I felt like it was this awesome moment where we're like, we're ready. Um, yeah, that's so great. Yeah. I always say that when I have couples take learn to row, I teach learn to row. And when I have couples, I'm like, okay, it's going to be, you know, someone's in charge here. Let's figure that out. You know, Does anybody else have one of those moments inside a boat? Dave, you look ready. Um, You know, I think getting back into a boat um, and it's kind of a privilege to see, you know, I did a lot of learned rows this summer and we kept them really small. And so oftentimes I was in the boat with folks. Um, And I think it's amazing to be in a boat with someone the first time they feel that you know, and that's one of the things I think as a founder, right? Like sometimes you see it from the launch and it's cool. Um, but to be in the boat and, and when they first experience that and they're, you know, they're hooked, you know, from that moment, like it's, it's an awesome thing to be a part of, you know, um, and definitely helps motivate you through the other challenges of being a founder. <laughs> Absolutely. We call it a rowing light bulb moment. You know, I think we've all seen it, um, on our athletes faces or maybe a coach that we're mentoring to become part of our family, part of our rowing families. I know, um, it's a really special experience when you see that light bulb go off and you, and they think I could do this, you know, is another sort of powerful moment. Sue, do you have anything? So I want to, so th- it's interesting that, um, Katie said something about being in a double. I think most of my moments are probably in small boats and like a, like a double. Um, I started rowing when I, I started rowing and I quickly got, um, 
hooked up with a partner, um, Mark, who started Sweeps and Skulls with me. Um, unfortunately, he passed away um, a couple of years ago. But he and I had, he and I, you know, when you row with somebody a lot, sometimes you have those moments and some days you just don't. Katie said that. Like some days are like, the hell are we doing in this boat? And other days you're like, wow, I can't believe we just did that. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, since he passed away, I've kind of been like looking for that. Like you said, you're always on the hunt for it. And I've been looking for that again. And I've um, there's a couple of women who started rowing when sweeps and skulls, their kids started rowing and then they started rowing and they like really just stuck with it. And um, now rowing with them again in the double, we haven't found like the magic fourth in the quad. It's really funny because we're sort of like, we need like the magic fourth person to go in the quad so we can have like a really good quad. Um, But when I row with either of them, it's, very like, um, yeah, we, we, I, I can find those moments. And the cool thing about it is they know it too, particularly mm. one of them who has started helping me coach. She knows it too. So now she's looking for it. So when she, she now knows the difference between, you know, okay, I'm just in this boat to help people learn versus I'm in this boat and it has the potential to be really cool. So, I mean, I guess it's not a specific moment so much as just like, um, and it, and it's interesting that it's like more small boats. Um, I think it's easier, um, to connect maybe with one other person than to try to build, especially for masters to try to build like a, a quad or a four plus or something like that, that where you mm-hmm. find that moment, it makes it a little more special when you do. Can yeah, I, just, can I, yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Rachel. I was just going to say, so I got back in a boat this year after a few years of being away because I was coaching or just took some time off. And I got back into sweet boats this year. I got it back into big boats and there were days that were not so great, but then once in a while, the coach put together just the right lineup of women who are all within a couple of inches of each other in terms of height. And it really came together. And this is just talking about that elusiveness thing. And you don't know when it's going to happen. And when it does, you're like, oh, well, why don't we just do this every day? (laughs) It'd be wonderful. Yeah. It's interesting that some people just are like, uh, like there are most people, most rowers love the hunt, right? Because we give them that line early on, which is not just a line. It is the truth that it's a lifelong sport. It's a lifelong journey. Um, and there are some people who are willing to accept that. And there are some people who don't, and those people self-select out of the sport and go, uh, do something else. But the people who are in it, in it are in it for the hunt. Um, I wanted to ask, we didn't ask this earlier, who is doing juniors rowing? Are you all doing juniors kids? Yeah. You're all doing kids. And then you're, are you all doing masters as well? Dave is yeah, we, um, we're starting, we're really focused on juniors at this point, um, mm-hmm. just trying to get things up and running. Um, we've okay. done a few like adult learned row stuff just to make connections in the community, but yeah. Yeah. It's a great way to get to the kids for sure. Just get to the teachers and the, and the, uh, gym folks like you've been doing, you've been doing these great, um, business owner row orient, like row days where you've brought in business owners from the community, especially, um, BPOC business owners from the community of Tacoma who are then the link, you know, often to these communities that you're trying to serve, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And That's I think great. when you mentioned the light bulb moments, um, those events in particular have been really cool for people who, you know, never expected to have the chance to get to try the sport. 
Um, and everybody finds something in it, you know, whether it's like some people are like, okay, when can we race, you know, 30 minutes into their first time on the water. <laughs> and some people, you know, are like, wow, this is so therapeutic. You know, we had one person get on a dock box and she's like, I could do this all day. We hadn't even gotten in a boat. You know, we had done the rowing machine, we got on the dock box and she just loved being there. And so to see that, I think really, um, opened my eyes in terms of what the possibilities are for expanding this to other people. Get bonus steady state content, early access to podcast episodes and store discounts. When you join our Patreon community for as little as $5 a month, become a patron today at steadystatenetwork.com slash Patreon. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at steady state network and on Twitter at steady state row. Sign up for our e-newsletter and become a patron at steadystatenetwork.com. In two, we're back with our Founders Roundtable. That's one, two. When you first started thinking about starting a club, what was going on in your mind? Like, what was that moment of like, I should start my own club? Can you guys tell me, uh, tell us about that moment when you thought of the idea, like what was going on? Anyone could start. Katie? Oh man. Okay. I'll try to keep, keep it brief. Cause it's very, um, it was most, it was my, it was Scott, my husband who came to me. So we, um, he was in the middle of like a career, just trying to find, find what he was going to do. He's on the route to med school. And I'm actually a nurse. So I was nursing in the ICU at the time. And he was, uh, came to me in, um, he had, we had just started rowing. He had found out about it through a friend when he was, he drives an ambulance and he was a medic and his medic partner was like, Hey, you have to try rowing. So he started rowing and we were raft guides. That's how we met in college. And so he said, Katie, you have to try rowing. It like, it will remind you of rafting. And I was like, that's the craziest thing. <laughs> um, he's like, no, but the experience, how you, it can be like the best part of your day and you get to be in nature and on the water. And it's, it's just this incredible it's this incredible sport. You have to try it. So I tried it and we both started coaching for a program in town and coaching was going fine. Um, there were just some moments where we didn't align values wise with the um, other program. And so he, I still thought he was headed to med school, took taking the MCAT again. And then he came to me one day and I remember exactly where we were driving through town. And he said, I think I don't want to go to medical school. I actually want to start a rowing program. And will you help me? And I was like, what in the what? world? Us, we know nothing about rowing. You're crazy. We just started like a year ago and now we coach, but basically we just like keep kids alive. Like, I don't really know what I'm telling them. I'm just making sure they don't die. And, um, and that was the <laughs> beginning. So then we found the IRL, which is a huge part of why we are where we are today. Wow. All <laughs> right. That's awesome. Okay. <laughs> That's a great moment starting moment like light the match you know no and I was like I at that, that point the journey had been a pretty long journey of him trying to find something that he felt was really fulfilling for him and I was really content with nursing but always kind of looking for some side something to bring some more meaning and purpose into my life and then I was just like well I'll do anything like I just want I want you to be happy I want us to like feel like we're thriving. And so I was like, well, I guess we're going to be the idiots that know nothing about rowing and start a rowing program. But then you so found here we are. Our, <laughs> then you found yeah. And now it's, that's another crazy story. 
Can you tell us a little bit about um, CRI's Institute for Rowing Leadership and what uh, you found there? Yeah, so we, um, I was Googling one day, um, community rowing programs after we had decided we we're going to start this rowing program. I was like, well, I don't even know. What is this going to look like? And I CRI popped up at the library. I remember the computer I was at and I came home and I was like, Scott, community rowing. Have you heard of it? And he had just found it the other day on Google as well, like a day ago. So it was like very divine. And so I was supposed to go on a mission trip to Nicaragua for medical stuff. It didn't work out. And so I was like, let's take a road trip up to Boston, went to the boathouse and wanted to get a tour. And so um, the RL was huge for us. It just taught us about all the different programs that you can have like para rowing was very new to us we had not seen or experienced a very elite rowing program so their youth um they have some really elite competitive youth programs and then i coached for row boston which was a really great um program because that's something that we've done a little bit here a similar model and hope to do more of and then masters and so there's just a lot of exposure a lot of connections a lot of relationships built and really a lot of vocabulary and learning because we really were very self-taught at that point and raft guides self-taught which is a little crazy right raft guides become rowing coach and rowing club founders <laughs> yeah I mean, we're really good in waves it's, it's great we, we know what to do yeah so in those moments of of founding does anybody else like dave what was the what was the impetus of ah i could do that <laughs> well, sometimes I still doubt if I can do it, but um, my wife and I moved to Tacoma five years ago. Um, we kind of lived all over, you know, we met in Seattle, but lived all over the country and we made our way back to Tacoma. Um, and I was a college coach at the time when we came back and I was kind of amazed that there wasn't a juniors program right downtown in Tacoma where there's a waterway. Um, there is one about, there's a program about 30 minutes outside the city or up to 50 minutes, depending on traffic. Uh, but most kids can't get there. And I never saw a lot of kids matriculate into college rowing um, or as many as there could have given the size of the city. Um, so given my finance background, I kind of crunched the numbers and came up with this metric of like, you know, youth rowers per 100,000 population, right? <laughs> just to try to gauge, like, is there a need in Tacoma? Could there, get, could we get more kids in the water comparing it to other similar size cities, but also just some bigger, some bigger cities in the country. And that kind of reinforced the need, like, yeah, we could get a lot more kids in the water here. Um, yeah, but my wife and I have two young kids of our own. Um, so the first few years we were here, I didn't really make a push for it. Um, and then in 2020, you know, spring of 2020, um, our collegiate, you know, my season got canceled. And as a collegiate coach, I had way more time on my hands than I had ever had before. Um, and started making some phone calls in the area um, and realized there had been some momentum around this at various points in the past. Um you know, but I, as I started getting more into it, I realized like, this is what my passion is. You know, like I loved, I love coaching. Um, I coached a high school program in Connecticut. I coached the college program out here. Um, but when I started talking to people and like saying to kids like, yeah, we could get you on the water. We can teach you how to row. And these kids, you know, live three miles. Some of these kids live three miles from the water and had never seen the water right? or didn't even know, like, they don't even know what rowing is. Um, and having those conversations, I was like, this, this is what I need to do, you know? And I think, you know, when you, Katie, when you mentioned meaning and purpose, like that was kind of my, my light bulb moment of, wow, like <laughs> this, this is important to me. This is, you know, cause someone did this to create a program where I grew up. Um, this is what I need to be doing. Um, and that, that's been incredibly motivating and, um, it's been a great, great experience to have. Um, 
Yeah, and all three of you approached it uh, initially to provide rowing to uh, student athletes, right? So what is it that you would say rowing offers for young people? Sue, why don't you go with that? Oh, so, so, so much. Wow. Um, so that's that's um, kind of where where Mark and I started was a passion for coaching and wanting to help kids. And again, you know, talking about the culture of sweeps and skulls, <clears throat> the way that we sort of thought about it was we're trying to make better people through the sport of rowing. You know, um, we're trying to help kids and trying to give them a sense of a sense of community. Um, I mean, our team has been through some pretty hard stuff. We had a, a you know, death, death of a coach was a little rough because um, uh, Mark coached for two years before he passed away. And then um, another teammate passed away and then COVID and everything. And it's been basically the mantra through that has been this is the place where you guys can come. We can all come to let the bad stuff that's going on go. We can get out on the water and we can get in a boat and we can get an oar in our hands and, and kind of to your point, get back to that heartbeat, get back to like, you can tune out and just row and take the bad day you had in, you know, chemistry class or whatever and, and put it aside. Um, so there's that, that's huge. That's huge is creating a safe space um, for kids. Um, because they need that because there's so much stuff that they're dealing with. They can put their phones down. They have to put their phones down. That's actually probably one of my favorite things. <laughs> um, there's no social media when you're out on the water, right? There's no like somebody's texting me or Snapchatting me or anything like that or no, you know, um, so you can let go of all that stuff. Um, this, the, the teamwork, I mean, you have to get your toys out and you have to clean your toys up. The coach doesn't do it for you. You know, there's, there's nobody babysitting you. And I, I say this to my kids all the time. They show up at practice and they're sitting around talking and I'm like, are you guys going to row today? Or are we just going to stand around and talk? You know, because it's up to you. I don't do it for you. Yeah. Um, I'll get in the launch and drive it and coach you when you're ready to get out on the water. And so there's a sense of ownership that mm -hmm. they're not arriving at practice and being told what to do. They're arriving at practice and it's very self-motivated. You're, you get out on the water and you row or you don't. Um, and I, I'm not going to babysit you, um, you know, and then don't whine at me about your times and your race because you didn't get out on the water to row. Right. You're, uh, you're demonstrating consequence, you know, you're, which right. is a really hard concept. I think for most teenagers to grasp is, you know, you know, if you don't clean your room, this will happen. They don't see that. They don't see those long-term relationships. And then they, they're really entrusting you to put them into a situation where they are going to thrive and feel good in the moment. Right. Cause they're really all about the moment. They're about, you know, the, the, the half a foot around them, the six <laughs> inches around them. Right. But I have yeah. been part of juniors programs where there is a lot of whip cracking, yelling, get here, go there, do this, do that. And there is no um, self-direction. It is being told what to do. So I yeah. love that you're, and that you're switching that um, mode because you could very easily become the like bull, you know, bullwhip cracking, yeah. yelling, like really they need another person in their lives to yell at them. Like 
how about invite them to participate, invite them to collaborate. And we all know with juniors, especially they're only as strong as their, as their weakest rower. I mean, not weak in a physical way, but the person who's the least invested, right? So you have to bring each other up, which I love. Rising tide lifts all boats, right? That's exactly the philosophy that we like. And I say that to them all the time is, hey, we're doing 2K tests right now. And it benefits all of you if people are faster. You want to root for your teammates. I mean, this idea of like, yeah, I want to be faster than so-and-so, but it's okay if they're faster than me because it makes the boat better, right? It, It makes everyone better. If the whole team, I just had this conversation yesterday because we're doing two K tests this week. So this is fresh in my mind, but, um, but yeah, so flipping that script and this is, um, you know, kind of to Katie's point, I, the club that I was at before that, that wasn't, those weren't the values and that wasn't how they were running things. And I just, I couldn't understand it. (laughs) Like, I don't understand what you're doing here. Um, So that was, so, I mean, just that I think is a big thing is that like ownership of, you know, you get out of it, what you put into it. Um, But you're right. That has to be part of the values um, and part of what you're trying to accomplish because a different program, you know, the program that does crack the whip, there's the kids are still getting things out of it. Um, But it's different. It's, it's, they're different priorities, I guess. And I, and Rachel had an interesting question in our list of questions that's related to that. And this might sound funny and I'm meaning it to sound funny. Um, what makes you qualified to do any of this? Right. Nothing. So So from what I, what Rachel and I have gathered so far, you know, Katie and Scott had a very clear, um, purposeful path in mind and they love rowing. So let's just combine the two, right? Dave has a very much more high performance background, but passionate about his community mixed with a business background. He's got some qualifications right there. And I know we're going to talk about Dave's recent successes, you know, with those uh, kinds of negotiations and things. And Sue, you're a passionate rower and parent and coach and wanting to do things in a certain way and, and seeing the values, but I'll pose that question back to you. Those are just our impressions of, of what you've told us. So what do you bring to the table to make it successful? Do you think at this point? So I'll just say real quick, Tara, I think you made me sound more qualified than I am. Just your <laughs> um, but I, so I had a conversation yesterday um, with a couple of folks who had originally tried to start something in Tacoma on the waterway you know, 10 years ago. And then they tried, they had tried originally 20 years ago, um, with no success. Um, you know, and, and the way they phrased it is like, they were so glad that someone was just so determined to make it happen or, and, and I think it's just stubbornness on my part, you know, <laughs> like I really believe in, I really believe in this, the teaching power of the sport and, and the power of the sport to build community, not just, you know, I think everyone made some great points with like talking about the youth programs, right. But like building those connections, um, in the community across age barriers or, you know, socioeconomic barriers. Um, and I, th- I think the sport can really do that for people. Um, and I've talked to Rachel and Tara about this, where, you know, one of my dreams is to do like some corporate learn to row events where you have high school athletes teaching some corporate man- executive team, 
you know, how to, how to row a boat. And if they don't listen to the kids and they can't figure out the communication between those two groups, you know, they don't make it back to the dock. Right. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, um, yeah, just a big part of it is just the determination, like the belief in your mission and what you're doing. Um, you know, and I have that, I see that every day, like first thing when I wake up, like the mission of what we're doing, um, and why we're doing it. And it's constant, like top of mind, um, and making decisions and, and that sort of thing. So a week or two ago, we had the chance to talk with this guy, Mitch McManus, who attended CRI IRL. Um, but we wanted to talk to him because he came into coaching um, from like a 30 year career as a broadcast um, like producer, project manager. And he was really um, confident in the fact that what he brought with him to the table was like his managerial skills, right? And he can, he, he likened bringing a group of kids to regatta to like being so simple in comparison to these shoots that he was on in Vietnam and smuggling equipment in and all these sorts of things. So, um, so Dave, for you, like, I don't know, maybe I'm getting a little too in the weeds here, but like, what literally do you bring from your professional background that you're like, okay, like I have this part of it covered. I might have to delegate seven other things, but like, I'm confident because I've spent the last 10 years doing X fill in the blank. In a word, spreadsheets. Hey, spreadsheets. Excellent. We all need to be able to use spreadsheets. Yes. No, I, I do have a spreadsheet for everything that we do. Um, but I, you know, I think, you know, like having a management and finance background, um, you know, I, I think in that, you know, a big part of like when you're hearing everyone talk about um, like what culture they want to create and things, um, you know, is part of it for me is like creating a space where everyone who wants to be there can one feels welcome, but also we, everyone else kind of elicits their best, right? Like what are, what, what do they bring to the table that no one else does in the group? And I think when you create an environment where everyone who walks through the door, you know, feels welcome and wants to give their best, like physically, mentally, emotionally every day, um, knowing that, you know, no one's perfect every day, um, but where people want to be invested, right? It's the intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation, right? Me yelling at kids is not going to, you know, it, it might make a boat go faster for a day, but at the end of the day, like it, it really misses the mark, you know? <laughs> um, and so I think with my background, like, really trying to constantly distill what we're doing. And like, if I can't get everything onto a one sheet and explain it to a middle school kid, but also to a potential donor and not really changing, you know, changing the messaging a little bit, but not really changing, you know, like everything should be simple and tied to the mission um, and constantly pushing decisions through, you know, does it match up with the mission or not? Um, and being able to pivot, you know, saying, Hey, this matches with the mission, this opportunity just came up or, Hey, this isn't working and quickly, you know, cut it. It doesn't match with what we're doing. It's not what we expected. What can we learn from it? Move on. Um, but yeah, I, I've, I've thought a lot about my professors from my MBA program in the recent years, and I'm incredibly grateful for that experience, <laughs> helping trying to get this off the ground. So there, does, is there anyone feel like, you know, it's kind of a perfect merger where you have your professional skills or at least things you can learn fairly easily. But what you didn't count on was how big your heart needed to be to do this. And I think that came to as a surprise to me as well of how emotional 
the entire experiences of creating a safe space of holding space for people in something that is truly transformative. This sport is absolutely 100% transformative from a five minute experience to a lifelong experience. And I, I don't want to discount that. Like we could learn how to do spreadsheets from Dave, you know, we could learn how to uh, transport 35 juniors successfully from Sue, you know, to a regatta and back and make sure they all are fed and have a good time. Right. That's a, that's something Sue could probably teach us. And, you know, we all bring to it these things, but is there anything that's been really surprising to you about the merger of your personal life, your career, your finances into this huge risk of holding this space? Is there any like surprises that you've experienced? I know some of you are very new to it, so. I guess I would say for me, like when I work at the hospital, I, I punch in and I punch out and there's no doubt about it that I think about, so I'm a labor and delivery nurse. Um, and so there's a lot of coaching that happens, which is fun. Um, and yeah. Oh man. Yeah. It's great. Um, and so I, when I punch out, there's no doubt about it that I, I'll think about, uh, the women that I help labor or, or good outcomes or outcomes that weren't great or someone that hasn't had their baby yet. And I'm leaving like, see you later. Hope it goes well. Um, but I think about rowing and my athletes all the time, like in the middle of the night, I'm like waking up being like, ah, she just in that middle 500 of her 2k would have blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And so I'm surprised that I, um, yeah, I'm just surprised that I don't, I don't have that same mentality. And what I experienced in the hospital is very intense, especially this past year. And I used to work in the trauma ICU, um, pre 2015, um, a while ago, and I first started nursing it, but rowing, I think, and worry more about my athletes. And I think it's those long-term relationships that just really tug at your heart. And you just care for me, my husband, I just care so much. It's like, we have like all of these children, um, and all of these, yeah, great masters rowers too. So I was surprised at how, how much I take, take home. I can't like really turn it off very well. Yeah. Wow. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing too. So it's just wrestling with, but for a while I was like, man, I need to be able to like, you know, not, not think about rowing. It's like, no, it's a, it's a beautiful thing to care that much about something. Um, But I think we'll always be learning the balance, especially doing it as a, it's a very much a family thing for us. We bring our girls like everywhere. Um, But that's great. Yeah. I love, Learning I love balance. babies. In a, I love babies in a boathouse. Babies. Raised yeah. in boathouses. Our athletes are always like, when can Juliet, she's our one and a half year old be in the coxswain seat. I'm like, yeah. Oh, not for, not for a while guys. This bubble wrapper. Like, we'll just PMT. put her in the coxswain seat. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, she's not. She's in the lawn. She's not in, in your boat yet. Yeah. Well, Thank we, you. you know, it's interesting because uh, Rachel is a rowing entrepreneur and Rachel and I started this business together, the Row Society State Network. And so we're always like, starting things that, you know, we really feel passionately about. So we're with you guys on, on a lot of these different things. And, and we've had to learn a lot along the way. So I want to keep going with, um, surprises or unexpected that you've had in your experiences. Sue, do you have anything? Yeah, I, I have to tag along a little bit with Katie. Um, and, and you said it too, um, how much I get out of it. I can be having a terrible day. I can be completely stressed out. 
And I show up at the boatyard and I see my rowers and I'm all of a sudden just like, I I don't know what it is. I, it's, I don't know. They give me as much as I give them, I think, which is, which is pretty cool. Um, So um, other surprises, I think, I don't know. Um, This past year has been kind of surprising with, um, I have a, I have my first former rower that's getting, that got married, (laughs) which is freaking me out. (laughs) So I mean a former junior rower. Yeah. He started rowing for me when he was like a sophomore in high school and he is now through college. He rowed at university of Edinburgh, um, met his current wife there. Um, they rode for the club program there. He is now, they're now back here. Um, and he's working on getting his teaching certificate and he's, he and his wife are now helping coach. So this is like kind of a cool moment for me. Um, yeah, I'm a little, little freaked out that I have a former juniors rower that's now married and helping coach. But this is a really wonderful full circle. Cool. And here's what I love is that Sue has talked throughout this entire episode so far about all the people who are coming and helping her coach. They're masters rowers, they're former junior rowers now, and we can all relate to a coaching anemic coaching pipeline. It's well-established programs cannot find coaches. We can't find a coach here uh, where I am on Bashan Island. I mean, we're on an Island also, Um, but it's an, an anemic thing. And what I love is that you're just inviting people in at all levels of this. So I would really, I'm inspired by that as CZOR makes some pretty major staffing changes for 2022 and we're moving into a new era. Um, I'm inspired by that, that, that I have what my uh, volunteers and athletes call an octopus approach, which is if you're standing idle within five feet of me at any given time, especially at a regatta, you're getting put to work. Like it's just, I don't even care if I know you or don't know you. It's like, you can carry this. Thank you so much. Like don't stand idle within like arm's length, you know, because I'll just grab you. But I love that because I've been really encouraging and Rachel and I talk about this a lot. We often will only pull from former collegiate or existing coaches to be coaches. Whereas everyday adults who are able to communicate and able to love the sport as much as we are often see it from a new perspective and see it from a different angle. And yes, we can put them through us rowing level one and level two, and they can get their coaching certs or whatever they need. But at the heart of it is they want to be there. Um, but I think we don't spend enough time mentoring our existing communities to say, you got, you know, I love the way that you, you know, teach preschool. Would you ever be interested in, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people that you run across like Dave, when you've had gym owners and business owners, you're probably like, you would make an amazing rowing coach, right? <laughs> you would just kick serious, but um, so Dave, what about an unexpected challenge or surprise that you found? Yeah, I think, um, I think one of the challenges, um, you know, is just, and I think Tara, you know, this is your background. Sometimes, you know, for us, like our site is owned by um, the local parks department. And so kind of learning to navigate that um, pathway of like getting permission to put equipment on the site, learning about the environmental side of things, um, you know, 
it, it, it was much more of a challenge than I anticipated. You know, I think I thought from my mind and, and this might be like my own background, uh, speaking of like, we didn't, we weren't asking them for anything. We just wanted to use an unused space and like put on some equipment <laughs> and it, it's taken many months and there's great people that work there. Um, but just the kind of grinding through time and changing responsibilities over there, just didn't, it took a long time. Um, and so I think that was a huge surprise and a challenge. Um, but I think so many of the other things that other folks have talked about, um, kind of helped us push through that. And we kind of knew we were headed in the right direction. We just needed to be patient with that particular piece of it and find other ways to get kids involved sooner um, while we waited for that piece to come through. Um, but I think one of the, the great surprises has been like how many talented people want to help um, with this, right? If you put your mission out there and you're really clear about what you're doing and why you're doing it, um, one, it brings the right people to you, um, people that I never would have met otherwise. Um, and it also kind of keeps people who have a different agenda away, right? We're super careful about like who, who's involved and why they're getting involved um, to kind of protect that, that mission. Um, and that, you know, our mission is to, you know, empower youth and build communities through rowing. And um, there's so many people who have reached out, you know, they've heard about social media or they saw a poster that we had up in a coffee shop, that kind of thing. Um, and it's been incredibly motivating to see people step up and want to help whether they've ever rowed or not. Um, that's been great. Dave, I'm really glad that you mentioned that because this is a perfect segue. I wanted to ask you about collaboration and partnership. And I know that you've become a partner with STEM to Stern. Can you talk to us a little bit about STEM to Stern and how that partnership came to be? Yeah. So STEM to Stern uh, started at Milwaukee Rowing Club um, and they, you know, had kind of seen from their experience of trying to get athletes into the sport who don't come from the traditional pipelines. Um, there are some barriers, right? And so they have identified those barriers and a lot of it is transportation, swim lessons, um, you know, access to the, to buying the gear, healthy snacks, that sort of thing. So what they do is like, you know, two days a week, I think the way it started there was two days a week, the athletes would be involved. And so on day one, they would swim and then row. And on day two, they would do a STEM activity and then row. Um, so two days a week for middle school students. What I really appreciate about it is that it's so flexible, right? Um, we can, we have different needs than the group that's out at Princeton. Um, we have different resources than the group that's out of Princeton, but we can tailor it to our group and our resources and our community. But the goal is the same, right? It's to get those kids who've never had access to the sport on the water, uh, but also give them like some, some STEM education in the process. Um, so it's been a great program to be involved in. Um, and it's a great way to kind of bring other folks, you know, in Tacoma, we have three, three universities here, two of which have rowing um, and are not near our site. Um, one of which doesn't have rowing and is super close to our site, eventually bring all those college students together too, to build those connections. Cause those athletes from those three universities have pretty different backgrounds. Um, so just looking at that as a different way to build community and build connections, but it's been a great, great experience so far working with STEM to Stern. Um, is anybody else collaborating? I, I, I want to do a show of hands too. Does any, who owns their site or is everybody having to navigate negotiate where you actually row and where you actually put your boats. Like I know some people have had the privilege of having like a private entity, like salt spring rowing club in salt spring Island in BC. They actually lease private land on um, uh, which is where they have their boats. So it's a little bit different. It's like a friend or something. Um, Is anybody having to do all those negotiations? Dave is working with the parks department yeah, you're all like, oh, hell yes. Oh, heck yes. Yes. Okay. 
<laughs> yeah, me too. Is anybody else doing any uh, collaborations that they want to tell us about and give a shout out? Uh, we are collaborating. We did a pilot program this fall with a school um, in a uh, lower income neighborhood. So the kids have just like not as many opportunities as some of our other rowers. And so we ran PE for this school and it was awesome. And uh, that was a great, great experience. And we hope to be able to do that again. We also um, collaborate with a um, uh, sports facility where we do like some weight training and a local, we have like a local yoga instructor system, things like that to mix up winter training on the erg because cool. it can get long. So the um, couple of things, well, first of all, big milestone for us this year, I signed a lease on an indoor rowing center, actually decided to the, the rent. Oh my God. <laughs> totally nerve wracking. Um, but it's awesome. It's been great. Um, but in terms of collaboration, there is a um, group of therapeutic day schools, and this has been ongoing. Um, they actually purchased a couple of ergs and we're going to be doing some kind of a program with them. And then COVID kind of put the stops on that. We were going to try to get it going, um, starting in January, but I, our COVID numbers here are not looking great. So we'll have to see if we can actually make that occur. And then, um, on the theme of inclusive and adaptive rowing. Here we have uh, what's called Northern Illinois Special Recreation District. So it's basically like a park district for um, special needs, mm -hmm. um, disabilities, things like that. And um, now that we have an indoor rowing center can offer indoor rowing um, classes or something for that. I think that's a good way to start. I feel oh, like oh, all day, safe. all day long, all day right? long. Yes. Safe, right. I don't have to worry about yes. anything drowning. <laughs> so okay, yes. Let's we're going to be doing yes. that as well. Yes. Yes. We can talk about that. That's yeah. amazing. Oh. There's such a great vibrant community of indoor rowing um, happening that we'd be, we'd be a little dumb to not jump on that. <laughs> well, and on that, I'm really curious to see where U.S. rowing goes with this, because at the convention this year, they actually talked about indoor rowing, like they, they did. brought it yeah. up in more than one session. So mm. maybe five years from now, they'll launch some sort of uh, right. indoor program. They're, they're slow in developing things, but I think they're thinking about it. Yeah, it's not just a means to an end anymore. I think yeah. we used it as a training tool and a means to an end in the past. I think we all agree that, that that's how it's been used in the past and as a torture device and, you know, all the things that we put with Boeing. Um, Katie, you might have missed out on all of that torture device uh, mentality, only having rode a few years. Maybe you haven't done a 2K test a hundred times and sweated over it. <laughs> you haven't been subjected to all of that fun. Yeah, well, I was actually wondering... If you have wish lists, right, for your club, what is at the top of your wish list right now? A quad. I think we got to get Sue of that fourth rower. So if you're mm -hmm. out there listening and you live in that area in Illinois, we need you to go to Sue's and Skulls and sit in that quad. <laughs> so you need a quad, a physical quad. We actually, um, yeah, I mean, boats are always like top of mind for us. I mean, we got very, very lucky um, and received a grant from Lake Leelanau rowing of, of four boats and a bunch of oars, um, wow. which was amazing. Wow. That helped so much. Um, so we're five years in where we definitely we have boats. 
now it's about getting the right boats. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like, so oh, yeah. Now, oh yeah. The, the next, the next phase in the evolution has begun. We have boats, we have good boats. We have some better than others, but they're all serviceable. Um, and now it's now this, this next part of like, okay, what's our, what's our fleet plan? What's our next boat? I mean, we have a quad that's, that, and so this is thinking ahead. We have a quad that's falling apart and it's really tough for the kids to rig at a regatta. And every time we rig it at a regatta, there's almost always something wrong with it because it's, you know, backstays and blah, blah, blah. And the pitch is off and whatever. Um, so God, I would love to retire that boat and never have to de-rig it again mm-hmm. to take it to a regatta and have another quad that we would be able to take to a regatta. Yeah. Well, you're at a, you're at an interesting juncture in your, you've been around long enough that now you have specific needs. You have a need for a, you know, a lighter boat or a faster boat or a carbon fiber boat. Um, And I've seen clubs like Clam Island Rowing Club out here in the peninsula. Um, They've literally been the recipient of every bathtub heavy boat because that's how we all start, right? And then you pass those on or you make them into furniture or you, you know, (laughs) make them into coffee tables and you pass, you, you pay it forward. Right. Um, It's invariably you'll find another club that's starting and needs, you know, a bathtub quad that needs some work. (laughs) Well, that's great. Um, Yeah. I love that point that you're in. Um, Katie, what's at the top of your wish list? Midway quad. My husband is the great row 2K scanner every day. And so he'll be like, ooh, what about this one? But lately they've been a little out of our price range. So midway quad. One or two would be nice. Nice, nice. Okay, Dave, what's on your list? Um, the quad is, is one item, um, but I also, uh, a little bit of covered space would be helpful. Um, it's a little rainy out here. Uh, and I, yeah. you know, have it, we don't have a good covered space. Uh, we have a little bit, you've seen the site. We have a little bit of space under that bridge to use, um, but not a lot. And so a little bit of covered space, I think would just give us some more flexibility in what we can do, how much we can be outside. We always, always can talk to our guests for way more than an hour. And we'd love to sit down and have like beers and talk rowing and founding clubs with you guys. Some Someday we'll, we'll see each other face to face. But for right now, thank you for being with us. We like to wrap up uh, our episodes with rapid fire. Dave, port or starboard? Starboard. 80, bow seat or stroke seat? Ow. Sue, salt water or fresh water? Fresh water. Dave, head race or sprint race? Head race. Katie, favorite Cox command to give or receive? Attention row. Sue, unisuit or tank and trow? Oh, tank and trow. And for everyone, we always ask coffee before or after a row. If I'm coaching before, if I'm rowing after. Okay, Sue? After. Before. Um, well, this has been so fun. And I was very serious when I said I would love to just have a founders group that we could talk and, and talk business and boards and, and all of that. And maybe we could reconvene this group at some point. I'd love to have a spreadsheet presentation by Dave and you know, 
logistics by Sue and um, and talk about inclusion and adaptive rowing and all of that stuff would just be really great to connect. So thank you so much for taking all this time with us. We love telling the real life rower story. The people in the trenches making it happen. So thank you for all your work. Thank you for your vision. Thank you for your amazing dreams come coming to fruition and anything we can do to help please don't hesitate to ask all right that's it thank you guys all right well thank Thank you you. (laughs) talk with you soon bye y'all yeah bye 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 To see photos of Tacoma Rowing, North Carolina Rowing Center, Sweeps and Skulls Rowing, and to get links to the people and events mentioned in this episode, check out the show notes on our website. Hey Tara, I think some listeners might not know that Steady State is more than a podcast. Oh, we should definitely tell them that we've got virtual events happening every week that bring together the rowing community from across the country and around the world. Yes, I really look forward to Friday mornings when you and I get together for coffee chat on Instagram Live because we talk about rowing and racing and technique, but we also delve into things like DEI and motivation slumps, which I'm having one right now. (laughs) It's always neat when rowers from around the world join in with us, and we hope that our listeners will uh, this Friday and every Friday at 830 West, 1130 East on Instagram. Grab your favorite mug and add your voice to the conversation. And we know that everyone sometimes needs buddies to help them get through the long pieces on the erg. So we lead Steady State Sundays, the fourth Sunday of each month at 645 Pacific, 945 Eastern. When folks register for this 60-minute Steady State erg workout, we give cues and insights and keep them motivated along the way. So we hope you'll join us, work at your own pace, and then stick around after to chat. So if you want to find out more about any of our events and claim your spot in our lineup, visit SteadyStateNetwork.com slash events. Steady State Podcast is brought to you by me, Tara Morgan. And me, Rachel Friedman. Between us, we have 33 years of rowing, coaching, and coxing experience and running successful rowing-related enterprises. Tara is the founder of Seize the Oar Foundation, where they champion inclusion in the sport of rowing through team training, outreach, and thought leadership. And Rachel is the founder of RowSource, the original resource for master's rowers. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Seize the Oar and RowSource. In two, let it run. That's one, two, let it run.